When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, theology. And I answered them with stories from the Christian tradition and other stuff I'd picked up along the way. They also called me Padre. So welcome to the Dear Padre podcast where I take your questions and the questions of the day and answer them as best I can. The question we're addressing today in post-traumatic Advent 4 is how do I get through the holiday season? And I used to um, look around this time of year at other people, whether they were walking together with their families or I'd see them at restaurants or out and about and project all sorts of happiness upon them. I figured that they were happy and I was not. They had a bright future, a bright holiday season ahead of them, and I had heartache, misery, and all sorts of other things. And I have, um, I know even then that that was not true, that I was doing that, but one of the symptoms of PTSD and the symptoms of any negative and, and difficult experience is that uh, there's a, sha a, cl a cloud and a shadow that hangs over everything, even the happiest times. Uh, the symptom of for a foreshortened future, where it's really hard to see the future, or that cloud of doom and gloom can really uh, make the holiday season where expectations are much higher, can make the holiday season very difficult for many people. And so people avoid, um, avoid participating in the holiday season or um, go deeper into symptoms or symptom avoidance and all sorts of other things that accompany that. And so as we get ready for the coming of the Christ child this time of year into our hearts, into our lives in a deeper and fuller way, we are reminded that Advent is in itself a walk in the dark. It is a walk in the night of the world. It is an experience of of embracing the suffering and seeing, seeing it and feeling it around us, not numbing ourselves to it. And the stories that lead up to Advent, including this one that from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1, where Joseph is told that he will be, um, that Mary will have a child, um, comes at a, shows us that the most um, charming stories in the world, Mary, Joseph, the baby in the manger, um, that family, that holy family, was born in extreme violence, trauma, and difficulty. And the story begins in Matthew with um, the story of Mary being engaged to Joseph. Before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So she was found to be with child. It seems like uh, Joseph gets this news secondhand, maybe not from Mary, Maybe someone tells him. Uh, of all the people that he talks to, it never says he talks to Mary about it. Maybe he did. Maybe he couldn't. I don't know. There are two kinds of people in the world, introverts and extroverts, right? Um, we've sort of divided people up into those categories. Um, and extroverts tend to resolve their emotional and spiritual struggles by talking about them and sharing and trying to get advice and help and or just processing out loud. I'm one of these kinds of people. I need to process things out loud. And introverts tend to process things internally, although there's always exceptions to all these things. 
Uh, one of the most famous introverted presidents was Woodrow Wilson, who, according to his biographer, would, when he had to make a decision, would go into his office, close the door for three or four hours, uh, difficult decision, go in there and just think. Um, he would, um, I don't know what he was doing in there. He, he, you know, I guess he had books and newspapers, but he didn't have phones or anything to watch or look at. But um, that's a true um, introvert who does that internal processing alone. Uh, and and yet um, there are things even in my life that that are so difficult, that are so personal, that I don't feel like I can talk to anyone about. And Joseph is in this situation. He doesn't talk to anyone about what he's gone through. That's what the text says. It says that he finds out that Mary is pregnant. He is sure he is not the father. And now he has a huge dilemma ahead of him. He's a righteous man. He's an upstanding citizen. He doesn't want to expose her to a public disgrace. He doesn't want to make a big scene. He doesn't want a lot of drama. He plans to dissolve the marriage agreement quietly. And he can go his way and she can go her way. Um, in the first century, as is today, when your fiancé is pregnant and you are sure you're not the father, uh, there's only one explanation for that. And so he is trying to do what we would consider to be the right thing. Just go away. Move on. Uh, and yet... Um, just when he had resolved to do this, an angel appears to him in a dream and tells him, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son. You're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So this dream comes to him. C.S. Lewis said that people often mistake dreams for visions, but no one ever mistakes a vision for a dream. This dream is so vivid. This dream is so direct. And uh, many, many of you have probably had um, dreams like this that really told you something about what you needed to do or what you should do or what you could do. And Joseph has this dream where this angel appears to him, tells him something very specific. And the first thing he says is, don't be afraid. And this is what we need for this holiday season, I think, more than anything, is people in this post-traumatic advent, to not be afraid. And I used to think that that fear was um, conquerable in many ways, and that if you faced fear enough, you wouldn't be afraid. And I, I was terrified as a child of physical danger. I was terrified of whitewater canoeing, which my family did a lot. And I remember getting out of it once by going shopping with my mom at Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, with my brothers and my dad canoed on the river and some really difficult rapids. And I was so relieved to not be there, but I also had to save face and not embarrass myself for being a coward. But I was always scared of physical things. And so I decided in high school that I would join the Marine Corps. And that would mean that no one would ever question my bravery again. I could sort of hang that card up and say, I'm brave. I'm not scared of anything. That was my, one of my main reasons for joining, to be honest with you. And 
nothing really changed. I'm still scared of things. I'm still scared. But I've, I found that um, facing physical danger, doing dangerous things in training or in a deployment or, or anywhere is not the real fear in life. The real fear in life is the kind of stuff that Joseph is facing. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The risk of love and the risk of relationship, the risk of commitment is the real fear in life, I think. That, that we are saying, I'm gonna step out in faith knowing that this is the right thing to do and I'm not gonna be afraid I think for many of us in the holiday season, there's a lot of things we kind of have to do or we feel like we have to do. And so stepping out in courage is really difficult sometimes. And so Joseph is, the angel has to tell Joseph not to be afraid. And I think the angel is telling us, don't be afraid. And it doesn't mean that what we're going to experience is not difficult or it's easy or something like that. What Joseph is facing is really, really, really difficult. He's going to have to, to um, endure public and private shame. He's going to have to um, live with this the rest of his life, that, that his wife became pregnant while he, what, before they came together. Um, and so he's facing this life, and he also doesn't know what else he's facing, but Pretty soon, he's going to have to run, flee to Egypt with Mary and the baby. Um, he's going to have to pull a Mandalorian, basically, and protect this little child from Herod the Great. There's a lot of things he's going to have to face that he's not up for today, but he will be ready when the time comes. And so that message of don't be afraid really echoes down through time and eternity to us today. That... Joseph realizes he is part of a bigger story. And I think for people that have been through trauma, we often focus so much on that one moment and that one experience that we forget that we are part of a bigger story. There's a lot of despair that comes um, after traumatic events where we feel like everything's kind of useless and, and why try why why try to, to live after all this? And the message of the angel to Joseph is don't be afraid to live. Keep on living. Keep on going. You're going to make it. You're part of a bigger story. There is a future for you and a future that has some really bright moments in it that you're going to really enjoy. And it's hard to, to feel that all the time, especially this time of year when the expectations for happiness are really, really, really high. And so uh, the prophecy that he is fulfilling in this, in this um, living out what he's been told to do, to take Mary as his wife, to just roll with it, to go with it, um, is a prophet, prophecy from Isaiah that says, Look, behold, a virgin, sh a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, it is kind of strange that the angel tells Joseph to name him Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. Of course, Jesus is the Greek version of Joshua, Yeshua, God, or Jehovah saves. It just means Jehovah saves. It's not an abnormal name for a boy in that time period or really before that. Joshua, the great hero of the conquest of Canaan. He's Moses' understudy who takes over the leadership for Moses. So lots of boys were named 
Joshua or Jesus in his day. But he's told to name him Jesus. And then, of course, the prophecy says, name him Emmanuel, God with us. And then it says, and he had, and so Mary had the baby. And uh, he took her as, or he took her as his wife and had no mar marital relations with her until she had born a son and they named him Jesus. So naming him Emmanuel seems to be part of a larger prophecy of what, who Jesus is, not necessarily a name he went by that I have ever read. Um, and so uh, this name Emmanuel, God with us, uh, is to me a message of great hope for people that have been through trauma and people have been through difficult experiences. That this message is that God is with us. Um, we often wonder, where is God? Where is Where was God when that happened to me? Where was God in the war? Where was God in my trauma? Where was God in the experiences that have really broken me in life? And the, and the truth is that I have off, and the, the truth that I've often been angry about is that God has not swooped in and fixed situations that I wanted him, him to fix. God has not um, often intervened in situations that I wish God would intervene in. And many down through history have wondered this. Where was God when this happened to me? And the truth that Jesus teaches in his own life, in his own presence with us, is that God is with us. God is suffering with us. God is here on this planet. He has become one of us in the person of Jesus, and so that we are never alone. The magic of Christmas is this. This is the deep magic from the dawn of time. This is the, this is the, the, the truth that God is with us in our joy, in our laughter, and in our misery, and in our forsakenness. God is with us no matter what happens, wherever we go, no matter what we do. And I've found, heard this from people that have been through traumatic experiences. Not everybody, and you can't foist this on people. You can't tell them that everything's going to be okay, and everything will work out, and God is with you and is going to fix this for you. Those are all just myths and lies that we tell ourselves. But the truth is that I've heard from people is they often have uh, stories that tell me that God was with them. And I hear that in some of the stories that I've heard. And they will tell me that in the stories that they tell, that God was with them in a very close and deep way, even in those very difficult experiences in ways they did not expect. And this holy family of Mary and Joseph and the baby, this holy family embodies that, that God is with them in this little body of a little baby that God has become one of us to be with us, to understand what it feels like to be human. Because when we look around us at families or people that we think are happy and we project that on them and say that we are not, we must remember that holy families have their pain. Mary, Joseph, the baby, they do. Holy families have doubt. Joseph certainly does. Holy families often have to put aside their own personal desires for a bigger story, for a bigger cause. And holy families are just like us. Holy families are, are just like us, and we are like them in so many ways. This little family there in the first century, Mary, Joseph, and the baby. And so Jesus shows us 
what it looks like to have God with us. And, and this is a message of hope for people that have been through trauma, that you can go on, that you can make it, that it will be difficult. There will be difficult things in the future, but there will also be things that will fill us with wonder and great joy. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Dear Padre podcast. If you have questions, please write them in, send them in, or you can uh, directly through the Anchor app contact me. I have recorded another episode, which is a follow-up from, or a rabbit trail from last week's, um, where Jesus talks about uh, John the Baptist not wearing soft clothing. And um, the word soft there is often translated effeminate uh, clothing and is also a word used in the New Testament for behavior that is immoral and uh, is a word that is used in the clobber passages of the Bible to exclude LGBT uh, people uh, from serving in the church and in various places of leadership out down through history. So I want to do an episode on that word, Malakoy, uh, but I've, I need to re-record it. So uh, stay tuned for an, a sort of a bonus episode, if you will, uh, that will be coming out shortly.